1: and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River.
0: And I'm podcasting from the traditional, unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe people.
1: It's sports month, Sig's, and it's mm-hmm. April. And when I think about April, I think of spring and spring training. And so, appropriately so, we are talking about sports this entire month. And we're going to be talking about Ted Lasso and doing a deep dive and then later on mental health. But before we do that... Let's catch up. What have you been up to pop culture wise? There's three things on my
0: mind this week. The first Mm -hmm. one, as we are entering April, just so you know, and you're going to love this. My kids had me book tickets. We're going to Niagara region for the holidays for Easter. My kids booked us. I know usually, and please don't judge me, Tita (laughs) and Tito's out there. Mom and dad, we booked tickets on Friday to see the super Mario movie. Oh my kids I'm are so like jealous. so excited. Like I'm so happy and I'm yeah, so jealous. They're super excited. They're into it. My kids want me to wear a Mario costume. Mac <laughs> might wear his Miyoshi costume. They're oh super gosh. excited. They can it's in sleep, so like, oh god, and like four sleeps, we're gonna see Lola and we're gonna go see the Super Mario movie. I'm like, okay, we'll make sure what a prized
1: weekend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super great. And plus being Easter and yeah. we're gonna be in Toronto for a day and we'll be in Niagara, it'll be great. That so, sounds great On my pop culture radar. Super yep. Mario Brothers, I'm sure we'll talk about it in our next episode and how it was. My two other things, and this mm-hmm. is so funny, and I really want you to weigh in on this. I'll talk about this one, which is interesting. So, the Gwyneth Paltrow trial, she got hit skiing in Utah several years ago, 2016. Yeah. So, that went to trial, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you've been watching stuff. Vulture has covered like, the whole thing. Yeah. And I'm just laughing because I watched some of it, and I was reading the note. At first... I thought it was like it was almost like a staged play. Like I'm like is this like a le What's happening right here? <laughs> and so if you don't know about it listeners, Gwyneth went to trial, a gentleman had hit her during skiing and basically he wanted to sue her because he can't taste wine no more because he was <laughs> no. injured, whatever. Gwyneth Paltrow does a Taylor Swift and says, okay, fine, Cantor Seuss, I just want a dollar in return (laughs) to win this trial because this is ridiculous. Right. More or less. And I'm saying this very broadly. Throughout the trial, like, Gwyneth is at her goopiest self, glasses, and even the discussion with like the lawyers and stuff about wearing high heels. Like, I literally thought it was a script from Legally Blonde. Like, the conversations and stuff. You would have died, could you? Like, Oh, I think I'm about 5'10". And then the lawyer's like, oh, I'm not even that tall in these heels. And Gwyneth's like, oh, you have nice heels on. Like, that's the type of discussion. Oh, my goodness. You know what? And she ends up being gwyneth Right. Right. When she gets, like, you know, the jury says this. Gwyneth Paltrow walks over to the gentleman and says to her when she's leaving, I kid you not, I wish you well. And Hmm. the gentleman goes, thank you, dear. Like, he was very polite about it, but he totally is, like, not going to have a normal life because, you know, she won. But it was just a symbol of, like, this privilege and stuff. When its day was ruined because he spent $8,000 that day, she had to get a massage because she was in pain. And it was just so intrigued. I know there's a lot of bad things happening in the world. There was a lot of other news stories. But for some reason, I'm sort of laughing how many people were into this trial. And it just made me laugh because I don't know if you got any wind of it, but I was like, yeah, is this happening?
1: Like, what's I happening? have to say I did hear some of it and some work folk were just talking about it and I just promptly tuned out because I thought <laughs> this can't be really that important, is it? Does this really mean something? I mean, like I get that it means stuff. I guess when Gwen started kind of coming up with her new age health lines and stuff like that, I yeah. just thought, oh, I can't. I can't, Sigs. Like, I can't really listen to I her know. that much anymore. So, I it's hard to kind of participate. Or I feel like I'm colluding. Like, I'm colluding. I guess so. In right? the yeah. sense,
0: actually giving Gwyneth this air. You know, yeah. and I guess I can't really reclaim the days when she first came out in Great Expectations when I was in love with her. Or Shakespeare in love. I just, love, a, or you know? I just oh. have this love-hate, and I'm sure my friend Ray is listening, going, you are a doofus. Don't give me your hair. <laughs> but I had to mention it, because it just made me laugh. You know, wait till Ryan Murphy has you know the special Gwyneth on trial. Like,
1: behind the oh story, gosh. you know what I mean? Oh my you know gosh, I'm story. sure we'll see it on Netflix any, se- exactly. any second. Now. I think
0: Marissa Tomei would be wonderful as well, lawyer <laughs> I'm just saying. Probably, but anyway, probably. my third and final yes. thing, and I've mentioned this before, and if some of you guys know me, you know, sometimes when you're just not doom scrolling, if you're idly looking at stuff. Have you ever watched that thing, Hot Ones? No, on I haven't. So no. basically, it's this guy, Sean, that interviews famous people for the past several years and gives them 10 hot wings. Oh, and yes, I have. With increasing yes, scoville yes, yes, units, yes. right? It yeah, right. like, Olivia Rodrigo could barely get through it. And he would <laughs> ask, like, here, have this one. It would be, like, one out of 10 wings yeah. with the increasing yeah. heat. And he would be like, okay. Have this way, and they'd be on the fifth one. Oh, when you created this movie, were you ever thinking that you were influenced by this? And he would ask these deep, like, pop culture questions. As your tongue is being burned. As your tongue is being burned. Now, Ah. there was a send-up on Saturday Night Live where Maya Rudolph played Beyoncé.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and stuff
0: like with Milk and my Rudolph even used it on the TV show Loot that she was in with Sean mm-hmm. Evans yes, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I... great but I don't know why I'm so compelled by it Florence Pugh was on it most recently mm, interesting. and your daddy that you love Pedro Pascal was yes, on it and, it, and they were internet just daddy, endearing yep. and funny I would want to do this challenge and have him can you imagine if he just interviewed us and you and I are trying to do this challenge oh my and God. Be like, so I would Jesse, die. when you the Madonna albums which specific Madonna album do you like and how could you just you know Repurpose that Burning as a soundtrack up. to your life, and you know you'll be like, my tongue is dying, and I it reminds me of it. the
1: song "Burning Out. Yeah, exactly. So, oh my goodness! So yeah. I, I'm
0: obsessed with that show. I don't know why. It makes me laugh. Maybe it is a clever, it's it's a clever format. It's very interesting, it, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it I'm is. Just like, damn it! I wish I, I thought of that type of thing. Oh, hey, you never know. Season six, maybe Season we do a whole one. Maybe.
1: But, well, I think so. Maybe uh, we should do our a own taste version, test. right? So, yeah, pun
0: intended. Taste test. Yeah. All right. Pop culture wise, Kuya. Catch me up. What are you into? Yeah, you so of course, to? you know,
1: you so that I don't lose my gay velvet membership card, I continue to watch <laughs> <laughs> Paul's Drag Race season 15. So we're oh, da- how's it the- going? We're down to the final four. So Alrighty. We're going to see a crowning sometime soon. Ooh. I think... For me, the front runner is Sasha Colby. I certainly mm. think she ought to win it. But we'll see. There are some pretty good dark horses that are there. So we'll see. Maybe Mistress, maybe Anitra. I certainly like Anitra as well. Who knows? Maybe we'll have like a double winner in all of this. I have no idea. Oh, wow. But either Has there way, ever been a double winner? Yes, there was on All Stars. Oh with wow, all stars Monet Exchange and Trinity the Tuck. Those two Monet <laughs> <laughs> <what? laughs> Exchange lovely, lovely Trinity Tuck. Okay. Trinity <laughs> Trinity the Tuck. And it they're both called twinners. I love it. I love it too. Yeah. So that's interesting. And then of course, then we'll be right into RuPaul's All-Star. And so there's still yet to be announcements about that. But something that caught Michael's attention by extension caught my attention to as well is we've been Mm -hmm. watching the docu-series Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey. So I don't know if you recall hearing about the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints polygamous community, if I can call them that. They originally were in Utah and then slowly moved to Short Creek. And then as the Utah and Arizona Attorney General offices in those respective states were starting to realize that their main leader, Warren S. Jeffs, was actually promoting not only just polygamous relationships, but also marriage of child brides and stuff like that, as young as 14 wow. and even 13, I think. So yes. They're known as FLDS or Fundamentalists of Latter-day Saints, uh-huh. a sect or part of the the Mormon church. It is just chilling watching how this became a cult at the end of the day and how they really... Enslaved, if I can probably use that, women and young girls in all of this. So much so that the leader of this particular sect of the Mormon church essentially even abandoned a bunch of young men because they would be competition for all these young girls, right, that could potentially marry off. Like what I said, really chilling. And it's just like, wow, Mm -hmm. eye opening at the same time. So we're kind of halfway through the episodes. It's a really short series, it's like four episodes. So we're just about to watch episode three. But like chilling tale to be told, and it's like it's frightening. It's wow frightening, <laughs> is all I have to say. I don't know. Have you ever seen or heard about that?
0: No, I've seen like the list of things on my like Netflix queue, and I'm like, ooh, another cult. Which one should I dive yeah, into? Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen the Nexium and stuff, and I was like, because when I saw what you were going to cover, I'm like, is this a cookbook? But I'm like, no, it's a cult. keep sweet crane obey. Like that's intriguing, and like. Growing up, you and I grew up at a time where there used to be commercials for Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. Yep. like Commercials as a wholesome, yep. like, let's do nice for our community. Never the seedy underbelly of polygamy, etc. Child yeah. brides, holy smokes. You know, yeah.
1: I think th- there are certainly many different lifestyles that can be had. Mm-hmm. I think for me, what's most chilling is the promotion of child brides. I get that that happens yeah. around the world in different places. I guess you don't think about it, or I have to say I don't think about it in North America. So seeing some of this is just kind of disturbing in so many different ways and just shows you that there's an abuse of power that's going on. And what were all the elements that slowly led to it? And what we're learning is that it was a slow erosion of people's rights in this small insulated community over time that led to eventually This community being under fire by several law enforcement and attorney general offices. So if you're looking for another, that that would be certainly something to watch. You know, keep sweet, pray and obey, which was a, a motto that they used in terms of being able to indoctrinate people into this particular sect or section of Mormonism. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so turning from Mormonism to now Ted Lasso, which is like anything but the truth. <laughs> I don't know that there's a, any proper segue from that. But yeah, you know, and to kick off Sports Month, I thought, wow, yeah, we should talk about Ted Lasso. It in some ways feels like a movement of sorts, just kind of like Schitt's Creek, I think. No, it, was. Right? it was It
0: that, was. it's that feel good thing and it's funny how this whole show was just based on a premise an idea by jason Sudeikis and his co-writer brendan hunt they were part of an improv group right and they had this character created by jason for these promos for an nbc's coverage of the premier league mm, yes so in short of it they had these little snippets where they had this i guess a u.s coach hired by an english soccer team and no clue about how soccer is, yes. football in the in the British, in the UK. And basically, the premise is in Ted Lasso. He was hired for the intent of failure. So Ted Lasso and his, his compadre coach are coming in to coach this AFC Richmond team. But his folksy optimistic leadership totally prevails. And it's just like this underdog story. And it was released on Apple Plus. Mm-hmm. And it started getting a lot of like wonderful, wonderful reviews. And this is during the time of pandemic, yeah. right? So it came out, and it's funny. I heard it come out, and I didn't hear much about it. And then I had a friend go, have you watched Ted Lasso yet? And I'm like, no. And everyone was looking for a feel-good show. And when you said Shit's Creek, it identifies with that, right? Yeah. It was looking for the good in people. Yeah. And I know that we will will talk a bit more about why people are so attracted to the show and some of the, the facets, the characters, etc., and the favorite episodes, I think this is a good choice. We've talked about Lasso very lightly before, but for Sports Month, I think it fits. It totally fits. Your your initial thoughts? Yeah.
1: It does entirely fit for our sports genre theme for this month. Mm -hmm. I think you're right that it's optimistic. And I think it's, in some ways, what a lot of people think of this series is that it's a classic underdog story. You know, and I would have to say that most sports themes and sports-related movies, TV shows, and documentaries also tell a very similar story. Who's the mm-hmm. underdog and how do they overcome Goliath? And Ted Lasso is really certainly, of course, a, an underdog story. But I think it takes it one step further by using mm-hmm. the premise of a fish out of water or a stranger comes to town. And usually a stranger comes to town is kind of like a Midwest story where he <laughs> in, you know, they're ready to do a bit of gunslinging. But in this case, Ted Lasso is in gunslinging or if he is gunslinging, it's with witty puns and metaphors and all these different anachronistic ideas that he has in terms of introducing them into the premier sports league here in Ted Lasso, the TV story. So I think to myself also too, that the series explores a lot of familiar themes and Mm -hmm. How can we meet people who can change us for the better or for good for that matter? And so that's what I mean about like a stranger comes to town. Usually a stranger comes to town and makes things worse. Or in this case, I think makes things better. So Ted Lasso comes in and he slowly creeps up on everybody. And there are just moments where it's like his goodness and his sense of optimism is infectious is probably the best way to... To kind of think about it. The other thing that I like about Ted Lasso is the value of playing your own game. And I think that that kind of comes through every episode. He doesn't say, let's play against them. He's like, no, we're going to play our own game. And I like his emphasis that winning isn't everything. And that sportsmanship really does matter. So how you play the game says a lot on who you are as a person. And I've always thought about that. At least when I've competed in varsity sports, I've certainly about mm-hmm. that. It, just as much as you don't want to be a sore loser, you also don't want to be a sore winner. And I think, Absolutely. if anything, competition in sports teaches you that type of humility, if you let it. And that, I think that that's an important part. But that comes through solidly throughout all three seasons. I don't know if you have similar observations, but that's certainly what I think about. I
0: it, totally so. agree with you. And especially when we're introduced to these characters, like Ted is introduced as someone to fail with this league. So For listeners, if you haven't watched the show, there's a character named Rebecca, played by Hannah Waddingham, and she is divorced, and she's left with this team, and she wants to sink it in spite of her ex, who's bought another team, So she brings in Ted Lasso, and to just make him look like a fool. Mm. That's her intent, and that's just the first few episodes where she has a co-worker, and she's like, okay, let's just make him screw up, and Ted... I don't even think he was oblivious to this, but he was like, okay, so this is her frame of mind. How do I work with this person? And it's exactly like you said, how do you meet people that can change this for better or for good? Or even identify like, okay, this is how this person is. How do I work with that? Right? And how do I respect that? Or where are they coming from? And I really think that he does acknowledge where are they coming from. And Ted Lasso himself is adjusting to his own life as he and his wife becomes ex-wife or whatever are divorcing and he has a child. That lives in the United States, right. and he's dealing with those tribulations. And he has a foil where the coach, coach played by Brendan Hunt, you know, a man of few words, and who has a backstory himself, but he's there as a supporter to Ted. Mm-hmm. And then you get to meet other characters. You know, you have Jamie Tart, who is <laughs> you know footballer wife kind of guy. Yep. The very famous one, you know, shades of Beckham yep. with like way more ego. You have an old crony played by Roy Kent, played by the wonderful Red Goldstein, the old school guy on the team. You know, is he on his way out? Yeah, he's the veteran how does he player play who, along? who should be the retiring
1: best, yeah. at some point.
0: Absolutely. And then you have Jamie Tart's girlfriend played by Juno Temple, Keeley, who isn't just like a A bubble headed kind of footballer wife or footballer girlfriend. She has much more to offer and she's a good and smart. And from all this, you can learn more about people and the changes. And I know we'll talk a bit more about that, but those are your key characters. And
1: you have um, Who's your favorite character in all of that? Oh,
0: I love them all. There's something about it. (laughs) You have a kick guy named Nate from the first, second Mm. season, and he. Ted acknowledges, like, you must know a lot about the team. Mm. So what do you know? And he ends up becoming a coach and being a crucial part in how they win and achieve and how they play the game. Right. He acknowledges that everyone can come to the table and bring something to it. Yeah. You know, and I I think it's wonderful. Like, do you have, like, an immediate person that, like, I love this person the best, uh, like, character-wise?
1: I love Roy Kent. Right? Why, why do you love Roy Kent? I think you Roy know Kent. this. I like grumpy people. <laughs> 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 and... I like how Roy just employs truth and brutal honesty. And I find that really refreshing and hilarious. And throughout the whole thing, he's constantly saying fuck. And so as far as I'm concerned, who knew that saying fuck with different intonations can convey so many different meanings? And I think when he meeting Ted has allowed him really to kind of soften over time. And just like what you've said in terms of recounting these characters, I've really enjoyed watching Roy become really employ a lot of shades of gray. It's not either black or white anymore for him. And just kind of coming to that realization. And I see him as almost like a reluctant leader finding his place in all of this. And so I've really enjoyed that story arc. Of course, I like Ted as well. He's my Mm. second favorite character out of all of this. He's a tireless optimist and, again, amazed at his ability to reframe and not play other people's games, but really focusing on his own. And I know that I try to do that in any type of competition, whether it's in the boardroom, on the field of play, or just in life. You know, it's important to play your game. The minute you try to start playing someone else's game, you've lost already. So it's important to do that. And so... For him, I've enjoyed seeing him meet Richmond and allowed him to confront his own fears and become a better coach and find control, essentially. And it's not to say that he didn't have control, but I think he has better mastery now as we've seen him kind of progress. I like Jamie Tart, too. I like seeing that story. And in some ways, all of these character stories and story arcs are arcs of redemption or arcs of improvement, which Mm. is kind of what sports is about. It's actually going for excellence. And Jamie shows that, right? Like, yes, he's an excellent player, but he goes from being that kind of footballer that we know, these football wives shows, where he goes from being an overall prick to being uh, precision and with such surgical accuracy on the field. And the humility that he has gained over the seasons has really made him a better person. It's actually made him more lovable. And again, meeting Ted, again, meeting a stranger has allowed him to not only be sharp, but also be kind. That you can be both, right? You can be sharp and kind. Those are the characters that I instantly gravitate to, of course. Jamie, Roy, and Ted. Like All of them just reminds me of the power that we have upon each other when we let each other into our lives. And so I think that those are just wonderful stories. Ted Lasso, the TV series is telling.
0: I think, especially with Roy and especially with Jamie Tart, there's an evolution of the character. And I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I'll go back to it. In Schitt's Creek, you have a character like Annie Murphy's character, Alexis. There's so much more depth and each of the characters have that. I yeah. agree with you. Ted plays his game, and not the game, but he's authentic. And he, it's that true self. Whether he meets the owner Rebecca and just tries to really find some common ground and makes cookies for her every day, shortbread cookies, where Rebecca thinks, "Where did you buy these?" He bakes these cookies every day
1: as a check in and <laughs> makes them know. for her. What is right. extremely
0: there's just kindness and stuff. So I really do like Rebecca, the owner. There was some sort of There was humanity for her. When she was trying to find, she understood that Ted was on her side and they wanted AFC Richmond to succeed. And she realized that she was confronted with the fact that you were trying to foil him. You're trying to run him under a bus. And he was like, You need to approach him and tell him this. And you see the episode, and it was in the first season where she was just back and forth. I need to tell you this. She goes up to Ted and blurts out, I'm the one that has been doing these bad things. And she's in tears, looking at him like I'm the one that's trying to fool you. I'm trying. Your intent was for the fail. And Ted Lasso just looks at her with the kindest eyes and says, "That's okay. I understand."
1: He says, "I forgive you. I forgive he says, you. I forgive she says, "I'm you. sorry."
0: And the thing yeah. that he says, like, "I'm dealing with divorce too. It's rough." Yeah. He, yeah. He says, to a to divorce is Yeah. That moment was amazing. That's obviously one of the reasons why Rebecca Waddington like won a an Emmy. It was just that look of forgiveness. I can understand where you're coming from. I know you. So okay, great. We'll move they on. They paint from this. her as
1: the ice queen for at yeah. least the first season for that first eight episodes. And then in the season that you in the episode that you just described, episode nine, I think, called Apologies, that's exactly where she starts to thaw. At that moment. And in fact, so much so that she hugs Ted. Instead of other people hugging her, she hugs Ted. And it just says a lot, right? You know, again, Ted's influence upon her, making her a better person.
0: Yeah, I think it was a little bit earlier. And it's funny how you said she, like a, an ice queen or whatever, because she sings Let It Go. Frozen. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Right? Thank, thank you, you Apple. So thank you, Disney. Thank you, yeah. Disney. Like all in sync. It's synergetic. If you, the laughs I love is Keely, played by Juno Temple. And sometimes I almost have to put on subtitles. Because I, mm. I was like, everyone's speaking so British, I can't even understand everyone's accent. And she's absolutely funny. And she's just, you know what? She's not a, she's bright. She's the one that does public relations for the team. She gets to know the team players. And not only does she realize, you know what, Jamie Tart, a relationship's not working, she gets into a relationship with the lovely Roy Kent. Mm-hmm. And they bring out the best in each other. And that's they, right. She challenges yeah. him. And, there's a funny episode, and I'll talk about my favorite episodes that where she's very supportive to Rebecca during a funeral, and it, it's quite funny. Yeah. Roy, in all honesty, we'll talk about the reasons why I like Roy when we talk about our favorite episodes. And Coach Beard, Brendan Hunt, this low key character this is she, funny. He's just super funny. He has a whole episode. I mean, when he was singing, like when they were at the karaoke bar, like Rebecca did sing <laughs> "Let It Go." He sang yes. "Bad Romance." Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are watching season three, episode three that just came out, I don't know if you saw it. Not um, yet. The writing is masterful if in the cold open you have Roy Kent, Coach Beard, and Ted Lasso debate the best version of Julie Andrews and the role. (laughs) And they play it so cool. I think this. I think this. And I love that it's not a pigeonhole of like a jock movie. Like, you know what the coach character is like, hold on. I'm going to go to your apartment. I'm going to get a breakup CD for Roy Kent. Cause he <laughs> needs it right now. I know what you're talking about or the jokes. They come, these are well-read intelligent, very in tune with their feeling men. That's coaching yeah, a team. And it, you don't see that that much. And they, they know what They talk about their favorite rom-coms or encourage the guys, what's your favorite rom-com? We're not going to have a pull-up
1: fight. Well, one they way, challenge you know? toxic masculinity. That's and exactly it, it. And in <laughs> fact, actually put it to the side and dismiss it altogether. Exactly. And the comedy isn't laughing at them for being more modern or attuned it's the fact that it's like, wow, this is refreshing. Exactly. Exactly. It it
0: wasn't like they were making fun of Julie Andrews, but like all of a sudden Roy Kent goes, you know, my favorite Julie Andrews. Oh, princess diaries. (laughs) And not even (laughs) about another deep cut. Respect. All the respect. Yes. Yes. I get it. Like, it's just wonderful. And you're right. There's, it's not being made fun of. They're making really great jokes. and, And Everyone's
1: taking seriously. It's I, I, the I, it's, surprise of it. It's exactly. It's, surpri- it's Th- surprising it that that makes it so funny. What um, are some of your favorite episodes of the last of the I want to bring up this episode because you have some
0: really good points about it. Man City Season 2 Episode 8 mm, um, focuses yes. on father-son relations between characters in the show, whether it be Sam, one of the great players, mm-hmm. who is questioning the supports of an airline. Mm-hmm. That's supporting the team and they haven't been doing good things. So he has to make the right decision to tell his father that, oh, I don't think I agree with our sponsors. Well, I can't remember yeah. what what airline it was.
1: Do you, you buy air Dubai air? You know, not doing about Ceridian oil or something. Exactly. Like
0: that. Yeah. And yeah. he has conversations every day with his dad. And then in Counterpoint, Jamie Tart does not have a good relationship with his father and attends yeah. like one of the games, berates him and humiliates. Right. Some in front of the team, and it culminates in this episode where Jamie's embarrassed. His father is in the locker room, basically verbally abuses him, and he ends up being escorted out. And right. the whole team's looking at each other. And your man Roy Kent comes right up to Jamie Tart and hugs him, and then you just yeah. see a release of tears with Jamie Tart. When I saw yeah. that, I'm like, this is an amazing show. This is.
1: Well, and the internet just went crazy.
0: Like Roy Kent and him were usually always, you know, yeah, ashy yeah. heads because he's old school. Jamie Tarts
1: a bit of like a has a flash or whatever. But he's well, like no. And then no. suddenly you have context now as to yeah. maybe why Jamie is the way the Jamie way he, is, Jamie is. You know, right. and it's like oh, it's because he's got an asshole of a dad, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And just for him to bear down and just have that release, and Roy just saying it's okay. Just comes up and hugs him like yeah, yeah i just yeah, yeah. god i cried i don't know about you i'm sure you did too
1: yeah i mean I, certainly i was very teary and i was just kind of like it brought me chills thinking about that which to me i think some of my favorite episodes are really revolved around the relationships between fathers and their sons oh yeah so that is a th- clear theme throughout so from you know season two episode 10 that man city episode with jamie's father or season two, episode three, you know, do the rightest thing with Sam and his father, where he ends up boycotting the team sponsor, Dubai right, Air. Right, but yeah. in the end, they all follow him. The team ends up following him and all of that. Or season two, episode five, Rainbow, with Nate and his father, one of the assistant coaches, and and how his father has really shaped Nate. And you can see where Nate lost his confidence along the way right. because of his father. And I would also say, too, I also have enjoyed all the episodes that make a positive commentary on affection between men. So as you said, talking about that one episode, I don't want to go to Chelsea with Jamie offering yes, Roy a hug and then season. giving him yes. that hug. Yeah, that was beautiful, right? I That I think a lot of people are really disarmed, truly disarmed mm-hmm. by Ted Lasso. And that's what's the charming thing about this TV Series. This is that it's disarming, but not in an exposing way. It just feels authentic and doesn't feel exposed where you're letting out your authenticity and feeling like it could be held against you, especially in a competitive environment right. like sports. Instead, yeah. you feel actually free and released and not judged. Kind of coming back to when Ted Lasso says quotes Walt Whitman and says, you know, people misestimated him. Yes. And that he read that Walt Whitman quote of be curious, not judgmental. That's and so I good. think to myself, yeah. that's this whole series that it's not judgmental. And that's what's refreshing and again, disarming about it. And that makes for great comedy as far as I'm that's concerned.
0: such a good that, I'm so glad you brought up that quote. That's such a great quote. It's yeah. such a, aside from the believe that's posted in there. It, th- in the that too.
1: Although I will say that that feels like it's been taken a little bit from Friday night lights, but I can, a little bit. Yeah.
0: Another favorite episode I have, and yeah, especially during pandemic, I really liked the Christmas episode, which was called Carols mm. on the Bell season two, episode four. Yeah. And it's yeah. just basically Ted realizing, Oh gosh, I, uh, not with his kid at christmas rebecca notices this and she normally parties with elton john and she takes him out and she does good things she buys christmas presents for people and he helps with the deliveries and the rest of the team are invited to the other i forgot the gentleman's name leslie higgins leslie's (laughs) house just to say oh you guys can come over and then eventually the whole team comes over the whole team is there all the people that their families are in Montreal or they're in Paris or in other places and they bring their own foods and they have all these foods and they have a wonderful day celebrating Mm, and at the end you have like Jason Sudeikis and Hannah Waddingham singing a Christmas Loved song. It. it was wonderful. And the sidebar is like Roy Kent and Keely are trying to help out Roy Kent's little niece and who has I bad breath, I love Brad. that. And it was cute. <laughs> and they did a little bit of a twist of love actually with the signs and they're just having a great day. It was super, it's festive. It was a, a great, great homage episode. to love actually. It was such yeah, a great a Christmas great.
1: episode. Totally. And
0: my other episode, no weddings and a funeral. So Rebecca's yes. character loses her father. He passes away and right. they all come to support her. And right. it's just Juno Temple being very sweet just saying, Rebecca, I'm here for you if you need anything. It's very quiet. And then she sees one of Rebecca's friends who she loves, and she's like, no, I'm here for you, Rebecca. Then all of a sudden, you hear Juno Temple's character, Keely, going, (laughs) he just, like, walks away from her. I know. And what's great is that Rebecca does like a Rick roll and sings, yes. "Never gonna give you up" in front of everyone. I know. In clever, this moment, clever, she clever. starts singing, and everyone's supporting her and trying to put a, a strong face. Of she has a lovely little romantic interest with one of you mm. know the footballers on the team, and trying to keep that quiet and trying to have a good face in front of her mom and her ex husband who's there. Who starts that inkling to Nate, you know, Nate coming over to the dark side. Yeah, I really liked it. No Weddings and a Funeral. But those were the episodes that stood out. Were there any other episodes that stood out for you as as a favorite? And season three right now is firing off all cylinders. Episode three, Emily and I just watched. And it was just, I always wondered, you know, and I I don't want to spoil it for everyone. I'm like, you're very good about diversity. But, hmm, how come I haven't seen someone who's LGBTQ plus?
1: Well, and... With sports, that's always been exactly. kind of like a frontier. Is so. its acceptance of queer folk, which I I think we'll probably talk about it in a little bit. I think in terms of any other episodes, yeah. you know, uh, I yeah, love them all. They're so good. Each is great in their own way, and I feel like I walk away with pearls or nuggets at the end of each episode. <laughs> And it's so great. And again, it is a real great expansion on classic underdog story. And I think that that's what's so appealing about every episode is that you're always rooting for somebody, rooting for someone to overcome something. And I think, again, that's the universal appeal of all of this Mm -hmm. is, is that underdog stories at their heart are appealing because they not only tell the story of overcoming odds against all hope, but tell the story of also overcoming at least in Ted Lasso's case, the series, Injustice, who just happens to be kind of embedded in this whole character of Rebecca's ex-husband That's who true. used to own the team, Rupert Mannion. And I think it's just kind of the idea that there is satisfaction over Injustice and mm-hmm. how sweet that feels, you know? And it's like the same feeling that Rebecca had when Ted won the darts game against Rupert. That's and that right. feeling of, Schadenfreude, yeah. taking pleasure in the misfortunes of others, you know, and I think that that's probably another episode that I love which is kind of where Ted quotes Walt Whitman yes. and also talks about how he was misestimated. That's probably another favorite episode. Mm-hmm. But I also have to say that sense that the underdogs are deserving is also what's also appealing about head lasso and why it seems to have such a universal appeal both to critics and to fans and I think maybe my last point probably is that there are unexpected successes or spoilers that give joy because there's more to gain from an underdog when an upset occurs rather than an expected team to actually win so it is great to see yeah. it when they win and they don't win every game they there's don't. this one part in season two where it's like oh they've had the longest running series of ties in that's exactly way. it yeah And It's kind of hilarious. And yet they fight getting relegated. But when they do get relegated, they had so much heart that they won with that alone, even if they didn't win the game and stuff like that. I think that that it just tells us why underdogs are great and why, again, Ted Lasso has this universal appeal. I don't know if you have some similar thoughts about that. No, I really
0: concur with what you say and currently if you are watching season three like jesse said and the walt whitman quote being curious nate the previous assistant coach who had ever defected then works for rupert's team now and yeah. he has this opportunity and sort of like makes fun of ted and the team and ted mm-hmm. lasso's in a press conference and he says nate is great he's a great coach but i'm mm-hmm. surprised he didn't make fun of this about me and all this stuff and he just yeah, yeah, he yeah. he's himself
1: He's himself and, by, and, and, by no and is means. honest and authentic and yeah. not self-deprecating. Necessarily, and by no means, right? does he
0: do anything mean to Nate? No. And he
1: no, 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 just, no, no, he's no. a
0: strong coach. Yes, he is. And then and just you goes. Don't have to, yeah.
1: You don't have to be mean or ruthless to be a fierce competitor. And that's I think exactly that that's what have. that's showing us in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I think that sometimes there's this confusion around how being a fierce competitor means you have to have toughness, especially mental toughness. And I think that that kind of gets into this idea that if you're not tough, you can't be a good competitor. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, and I alluded to this toxic competitive mindset Mm-hmm. gets in the way. And then I think that starts to affect people's mental health. And I think that that's kind of today's culture capital topic is mental health and sports. Mm-hmm. And I think we could probably do also LGBT in sports at some point. Absolutely. the conversation in another episode, perhaps season six. But <laughs> when I think about mental health in North America today, society has really made efforts to destigmatize mental illness. And that Really, it's been open to destigmatizing mental health mm-hmm. and mental illness. But there are some frontiers within North American and Western society where there's still prejudice against mental health. And I think sports is one of them. And, you know, again, sports is on the frontier space for mental health to be challenged because it inherently values competition over excellence and excludes people. And sometimes you do it at the expense of others and at the expense of the people's dignity. So do we compete to win or do we compete to see who can do it the best? And I think think to myself, what sports has in common with the arts is it's all about reaching for excellence, Mm -hmm. but how you reach for excellence is more about personal best as opposed to competing. You certainly need a competitor because it challenges you to bring out your personal best. But I don't think we have to do it at a point where we're ruthless and that we have to dehumanize others. And I think that this TV series does that, right? It makes oh, that yeah. point through and through. I don't know if, if you have ideas about that or no, if I you've had reactions just, to that.
0: Not even that this show or whatever, mental health is just really interesting because it is a conversation, right? So I'll use some examples and you can t- tell me your thoughts. Like with Naomi Osaka taking mm. some time off, right? Because yep. it's been a lot. So she's like, I'm not going to compete. And people were like, on her but some people are like yeah you need to take a break it is okay yep. to take a break before right. going in because you have to take care of yourself or i right. think of Naomi osaka as a great example because she was playing a match with someone and she's trying to encourage the person come on out like let's well thank everyone for coming and i heard the person who did not win the game she said something like naomi said to her hey it's worse to go back and you know cry in the locker room and be upset but come mm-hmm. out here i'm here with you like where it's that acknowledgement like you know mental toughness and that competition they pit against each other but everyone's human right. everyone needs that space and you're right like do we compete to win or do we compete so you can do it best like it's such a big issue and i love that ted lasso does talk about mental health from a coach's point of view and yeah. the team's going in it's such a current issue and people having quick comments oh they're just taking a break was it too much to do like press coverage well you're putting yourself out there and you're having these people needle and talk about what you did best in that thing. Oh, critics are saying this and you have to face that and be your own critic. I'm like, okay, I didn't play that well. How do I respond to this? Or I'm being nitpicked on. Like, and you just, you know, you could be on the court for several hours keep trying to do your best, and then you have to face the fact of, like, okay, what didn't go well, and you have to address the press. I can understand why you want to take a break, and you might want to not want to do that or partake in some of those type of press conferences, for example. You know, it's just interesting, and, like, it compels me. Like, how do you help that, or how do you destigmatize that there's nothing wrong with taking a mental health break or taking, you know, a different type of route? and taking care of yourself. How do people put that, prioritize that?
1: Yeah, It's a matter of trying to focus on what's actually important. Mm-hmm. Again, do you win at all costs? It's that idea of sportsmanship or your sportsman philosophy, I think, at the end of the day. It's like, do you really need to win at all costs? Because you might get a trophy, but you might not have any relationships at the end. And I think you kind of saw that with Jamie Tartt, for example. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, where it's kind of like he could be on his own, But then he kind of forgets that it's, you know, he needs a team behind him or else you're not going to accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. And the field of play then suddenly taught him that humility is important and working as a team becomes important, taking responsibility becomes important. And so lots of life lessons, I think, to learn in sports, but sometimes it can also go the other way. And then I also think, too, what also muddies all of this is when we introduce profit, where winning can really lead to problematic ideas of winning at all costs Mm -hmm. or that toxic competition mindset where it's like the money and the fame and the status become much more important than doing your personal best. That's worrisome. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why sometimes I worry about some of the coaches that emphasize that and forget that aren't we needing to be focused on excellence and achieving excellence as Mm -hmm. opposed to being the winner. Because sometimes being the best is not necessarily, or achieving your personal best is not the same as winning, is I think what Ted Lasso is also teaching us in all of this. And then like this idea of a toxic competition mindset, it really reminds me of kind of what happens within our own Filipino culture. When you have that toxic competition mindset Mm. coupled with the crab mentality, Uh you know, that if if I can't be successful, nobody can be successful. And then it leads to sabotaging and anxiety and paranoia and fear. And you can kind of see that in the character of Rebecca in Ted Lasso, where she's not happy and if she's lonely, then everyone's gonna be unhappy and lonely. And she starts to realize, nope, that's not actually how to live your life. And that's not actually how you're gonna get your sweetest revenge. In fact, you're gonna get your (laughs) sweetest revenge by doing your best and being excellent in some ways. It's interesting. We're not really taught to be happy for others, I think, you know, and I think that that's kind of that Filipino crab mentality, especially when it enters into sports. And it's funny because I think Filipinos were used to being the underdogs, at least in in the sports arena or in the field of play. Like I think about kind of Manny Pacquiao, for example, very much, very much his origin story is focused on coming from dirt and defying all odds. Mm -hmm. He represents the every Filipino person going against the world and then finding success And you know, and I think also Manny Pacquiao relishes being in the underdog position. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, if you're not achieving what Manny Pacquiao is achieving on the world stage in terms of his boxing skills, we end up being becoming jealous instead of actually crediting people for their success and being happy for them, celebrating it. Right. And so, I think to myself. That's a bit problematic. And I think sometimes what happens is this is just another example of how the crab mentality really fights against, magnifies toxic competition mindset mm-hmm. and really ends up unwinding people's mental health at the end of the day. And I think to myself that kind of leads us to the fixing of the week, mm-hmm. which is really when we do sports and we do any type of competition, whether it's a spelling bee all the way to <laughs> box boxing and soccer and football or whatever it is that you're doing, it's really about doing your best. And honestly, not meaning to rhyme, but I'll rhyme anyway, but forgetting the rest of Mm -hmm. it. And, And I think the only way you can accomplish that is kind of like what Ted Lasso has posted outside the coach's door, which is believe and believing in yourself. And I think that that's kind of where I would want us to kind of end off on today's culture capital topic is do your best, forget the rest, Believe. And I think if you do those things, right, it leaves little room for depression. It leaves little room for a toxic competition mindset. It leaves little room for paranoia, fear, or unhealthy forms of anxiety or bad behaviors of where we want to sabotage Mm -hmm. others at the end of the day. So, no games, just sport. Just, yes, that's right. No games, just sport. sport. That's a great way to end off. I think that's a great fixing of the week. And what you said is a great place to end off too. So Sigs, I think with that said, I think you should take us out. Folks, we want to
0: hear what you thought of Ted Lasso, your favorite episodes. Mm. Tell us what you think. We love hearing more about it. Let's uh, celebrate the show. And any of your thoughts about mental health and sports. We love email. Email us at hollowhollowpopculture at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. The Hollow Hollow Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Rate us, leave a review, tell your friends about us. You can find us on social media Twitter, our handles at Hollow Hollow Pop, and on Instagram at Hollow Hollow pop Culture.
1: Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chel Tringa. We'll see all of you guys again real soon.
0: See you guys soon.